Amen. Well, it's good to be with you guys this morning. Good to worship uh, with you. I wanted to especially thank you for just many of you and your kindness this week in celebrating uh, my 40th birthday. It's kind of weird to get to the age where you start remembering celebrating your parents' birthday at that age, and you're like, wait a second. Then I noticed, I looked in the mirror uh, the other day, and I noticed that my hair is starting to thin. It's just been a... a, a a rough, a rough week, and so uh, it's, it's good to, to be with you guys here this morning. But um, as I was reflecting back, I was thinking back to some different memorable things that I've experienced in my life, and one of those, I don't know if anyone's had the opportunity to do this before, I don't necessarily recommend it, but skydiving. Have you guys tried the skydiving thing? So some years back, um, I had a girl that I was dating, this is pre-Adrian, uh, and she, uh, she paid for skydiving, and so we decided to go do that. But I remember in the process of getting ready for that, they had about a two-hour training thing, and they covered every detail you could like, possibly think of. In fact, they even had one of these forms that you had to fill out. So you had about 50 documents that you filled out as the, it's not their fault if you die. They even had one that said this, that if you actually sued them and you won the lawsuit, that you would pay the entire it in entirety back to them. So they had I didn't even know that was possible. So they had every angle possible covered. And I remember then two hours of training and, and, and by the time you're actually going on the plane, you're like, all right, I just just let me jump out of this plane. It shouldn't be this complicated. And you're excited for the for the jump. I'll tell you that story another time. But as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about our story of Elijah. He goes before the king, as we saw last week, he confronts him. He says, listen, it's not going to rain until our God decides it's going to rain. And so then for the next three and a half years, what happens? No rain. Can you imagine? He's got this, this looming confrontation coming. Can you imagine how many times that played through his head where he's just like, man, I'm just ready for action. I'm ready to jump. I'm ready to dive in. And then the word finally comes in our text here this morning in chapter 18 where he finally gets the green light. That what he's rehearsed in his mind probably a thousand times, this interaction with King Ahab, he finally has the, the, the invite. The, the door is open for this confrontation. And I don't know what he knew going into that confrontation. If he knew that he was going to be calling an entire nation to a choice where they were going to choose between one God or another, but he responds to this invite to action with no hesitation. Let's turn to 1 Kings 18.1. And as you're turning, let me begin us in a word of prayer. God, we just thank you for this text and just the opportunity to see the way that you revealed yourself to your people. A lot of us are showing up here this morning and maybe showing up that we could use a fresh revelation of yourself in our lives. I pray that as this group of Israelites is called to a choice, I pray that some choices would come to mind in our life. God, that we'd choose who we're going to serve. God, we ask that you'd speak through this text, God. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, verse 1, chapter 18, we see what happens next in our story after the three and a half years of waiting. Three and a half years culminates to this. It says, verse 1, after many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, go, show yourself to Ahab and I will send rain upon the earth. So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. 
Now, the rest of this first 15 verses are actually all the way through verse 18 or uh, verse 17. It goes into a description of all the ins and outs of uh, what Elijah goes through to catch up with Ahab. We see some pretty cool ways that God had been providing for uh, Obadiah and other prophets of God during this season of three and a half years. But for the sake of time, I don't have, we're not going to have a chance this morning to go through all 16 of those verses. So I'm going to ask you to move down to verse 17, where we actually see him finally catch up with Ahab. So verse 17 says this. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is it you, you troubler of Israel? And and he answered, Elijah, I love the tone. I have not troubled Israel, but you have, and your father's house, because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Now therefore, send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel, and the 450 prophets of Baal, and the 400 prophets of Asherah, who eat at Jezebel's table. Let's pause there for a second. Who does it sound like is driving this car? Like, does it sound like, like the king uh, Ahab, is he, is he driving the ship? Not, not so much. It sounds like, like Elijah's pretty much calling the shots. When you have the ability to turn off rain for three and a half years, you get to be the one in the driver's seat. And so here, I love how, how Elijah responds just boldly. He says, I've not troubled Israel, but you have. It's kind of like, it's almost a picture of like two kids arguing. Like, it's not me, it's you. No, it's you. But, but, but we see in the text, he, he points exactly what's going to happen. He says, I want you to gather all of Israel. I love the request. Not just like, let's get, get a crowd. I want you to gather all of Israel. I want you to g- gather all these prophets of Baal. I want you to pra- ba- gather all these prophets of Asherah, and I want you to bring us together, and we're going to have a showdown. This is going to get this is going to get intense, and that's I, this is one of my favorite stories in uh, in, in all of Scripture. So he, he's calling to him. He, he he's calling the shots. But what he does is he starts to identify in his response. He starts to identify the reasons for the drought. In Ahab's mind, he's thinking, man, it's just this dirty prophet that just, it's his fault, it's his fault. But he starts to call Ahab out and point out some areas of compromise, not just that Ahab has experienced, but them as a people group has experienced. What do we see in the text that he points out? The first area of compromise is this, abandoning, it says, I've not troubled Israel, but you have in your father's house because you have abandoned the commandments. So abandoning God's commandments, that's the first area of compromise. And we notice this, not just in this, there's so many parallels to our our culture, right? So many parallels. And so the first thing he points out is abandoning the commandments. And how true is that as a nation? How true is that individually? What happens when you wander from God is you begin just a little bit at a time to care a little bit less and a little bit less about what he says, how he says to do life. You care a little bit more about, well, what are my thoughts on how to respond to this situation? All of a sudden, what happens when you're not following his commandments, he's moved out of the role of playing God, and who gets put in that place? Ourselves. We become self-gods. We decide my commandments and my ideas between what is right and what is wrong. That's the guiding uh, mechanism in my life. And we see here that he calls the people out on that. He says, you've abandoned the commandments. How are we doing on that? How are we doing on that? 
How big of a deal is God's word in our life? Is it something that we feast on? Is it something that we, that we meditate on? Uh, when's the last time you've scrolled through the Ten Commandments? It's a dangerous thing. We leave ourselves so vulnerable as believers when we're not grounded in his word. Because then the storms of life comes, and when you don't have a truth basis, when you don't have a foundation, what happens? You're tumbled over. You're beat up. And that's what he points out, this first area of compromise, abandoning God's commandments. The second one we also see in the text is idol worship. He says that you're following the Baals. You've chosen, you've been designed for worship. And the ironic thing is, each one of us being designed to worship, our worship ends up landing on something. Our worship ends up landing on something whether we realize it or not. We choose things to worship. And he's saying, well, you've chosen as you've wandered from the real God is your worship has landed on this crazy God you call Baal. You've landed on that. And the truth is, a lot of us, when we're reading these texts, we're just like, well, I'm not really like worshiping a Baal God. But what has our worship landed on? What is the object of our affection? The ironic thing, I think, is so many times the thing that appeals to our worship are things that God created to be good. Things that God created to be good like family, like sex, like, that's definitely a good one, like like food, like recreation. Am I allowed to say that as a pastor? Uh, As recreation, things... Food, the, thing, the things that God put into place as being good things, we choose to elevate those things to become our bail, right? And so we can choose anything apart from God, anything that consumes a good test or litmus test for what's become a bail in your life is what consumes your thoughts. What is your mind kind of running back to, running back to? What is, as you're thinking about the last seven days, what have your thoughts, what's consumed your attention, your affection? Those are our bales. Those are what are elevated. Those are the idols in our life. Anything that's elevated above God. So he's pointing out those two areas of compromise. Let's continue in the text. He points out one more. We'll see if you can grab it here. Verse 20 says this. So Ahab sent to sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. I love that he was completely obedient to Elijah. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let two bulls be given to us, and let them choose one bull for themselves, and cut it in pieces, and lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. And I will prepare the other bull, and lay it on the wood, and put no fire on it. And you will call upon the name of your God. And I will call upon the name of the Lord and the God who answers by fire. He is God. And all the people answered, it is well spoken. First, let's identify what we're, point, what we're pointing as the third area of compromise. The third area of compromise is this. He points to it in verse 21. It's divided allegiance. 
he describes it as this, limping between two different opinions, limping between two different opinions, selling out for God, G, capital G-O-D, or the gods of this world. It hasn't changed much in present day. We still limp between two different opinions, kind of one foot in the God camp and one in the world camp, isn't it? Isn't that true? And so he's saying, he's like, you, it, it doesn't work like that. He sees right to where they're sitting, and where they're sitting is on the fence. They're between the two different worlds. And, and, and I love that the, their response. None. We've talked about that before this, this, this summer. When, when you're called out, when something's true, there's not a whole lot you can say to it. And that's exactly what we see there, is there's no response. Then he makes a, a proposal, and his proposal is pretty cool. He, sa- he says this. He says, why don't, we, why don't we have a little showdown here on, uh, at, at Mount Carmel? And the thing that's fascinating, I was, I was reading about this this week, Mount Carmel was where they believed Baal resided. They believed that in the thunderbolts, in the clouds, is where this, this God of the rain and God of, uh, of, of nature resided. And so, uh, so Elijah's saying, why don't we go to your home turf? We'll play on your home court, Mount Carmel, and we're going to set up the stakes, and I'm I'm going to push you to make a decision. I'm going to push you to make a decision. You have to choose who you're going to follow. Wouldn't you love to see that happen in our world? It drives me crazy. So many people that you're like, man, go ahead out there, investigate your different God options and make a decision. Make a decision. And in our, in our society now, I'm like, go, go, go wrestle through the Buddha deal. You know what I'm saying? Like, go wrestle through. See if that's the real God. Chase after that. Go after, go figure out if Muhammad's the real deal. Put it to the test. I guarantee you put the gods to the test. Our God is going to come out on top. Our God is going to come out on top. And what he's saying, he's like, make a decision. Stop sitting on the fence. And I think that's the same call for us as a culture, us as a people, and maybe some of us even here individually here this morning. You've been kind of teetering on the, on the sidelines, but you've never actually been pushed to make a decision. There's an internal battle going in. He's saying, just jump in. This last week, I uh, was, was uh, with my family. We went to uh, the, the, this park. It's, what's the name of the... Malibu uh, Park, State Park. Have you guys been over there? Real beautiful area. And we found this area. I had found it on YouTube before where they have all these cliffs that you jump into these pools there. Have you guys seen that? Has anybody been there before or is it just me? Okay, a few people. So, so we've been a, been a couple times and each time I keep kind of like working up the nerve to go like the next tier up on the jump. And, and so this one, like, it, it's tough, though, because my son's, like, more courageous than I am. And so, and so he was at this one, one level. We both did it last time. And I'm like, this time, I'm like, I got to go the next level up and jump. And so I go up there, and you're standing, you're looking off the edge, and there's a pretty big rock that's looking pretty close to the edge down there. And, I, and I'm standing there, should I jump, should I jump? And, and my son Chase at, at eight, he's like, do it, Dad, do it. So I've got like the peer pressure of an eight-year-old. And, uh, and, 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 and so, of course, I, I took the plunge, and, and I'm here to tell about it. it, it, it sur- I survived, thank the Lord, but uh, in his providence, uh, he must have had this message for you this morning. But, but the point being is the point of that, that tug where you're standing there. I remember I'm like, I don't know, should I do this? I'm old, thinning, you know, 40. And, uh, and, uh, and, 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 and that plunge 
is exactly the same thing that he's calling this entire nation that's gathered together. What are you going to do? Are you going to jump in? You can't do this halfway thing anymore. It doesn't work. And you got to believe that, 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 that the people there, they're starting to, after three and a half years of their God of weather, not sending a whole lot of rain, you got to believe they're wrestling through this. Wouldn't you imagine? you got to believe in every single household in that nation. They've come together and said, like, what's going on, man? And Elijah came and said, man, it's, it's not going to rain, but, but we're supposed to be following this Baal guy that's supposed to control the weather. Like, you got to believe that they're wrestling internally. They're wrestling internally as to who the real God is. And I love the response when, when he makes this. He says, I'm going to push you guys to make a decision where you're going to jump in. And what do they say? It's well-spoken. We should do this. We should come because that duplicitous life gets old. That whole, you know the truth. And a lot of us as believers have known the truth. We know that we need to fully dive in, but we've just been kind of hesitating. So he's calling them. He's forcing them and confronting them to make a decision. And so he's saying, all right, let's show, let's show up and we're going to have two different opportunities. You're going to have, you're going to put a bull on this altar. I'm going to put a bull on this altar and whatever God shows up, Let's follow him. And I, I make that challenge to anybody that's sitting in here that hasn't made a choice to follow Christ. Put your gods to the test. Whatever God shows up, follow him. Verse 25, take a look. We see Baal go first. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose for yourself one bull and prepare it first. For you are many and call upon the name of your God, but put no fire to it. And they took the bull that was given to them, and they prepared it and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. And I love this. But there was no voice, and no one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made. And at noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is musing or is, this is in scripture, or he is relieving himself, <laughs> or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. And they crowd, cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation, but there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. Can you imagine that sight? Can you imagine that unforgettable scene of chaos? Probably started with some chance, you know, like they're, they're working into it. Maybe this God, you got to believe these, these Baal prophets are kind of asking themselves this question like, wait a second, I'm not too confident that this guy's going to show up based on the last three and a half years of performance. And, and so, and so they're, they're wrestling. It starts with it's a, it's a little bit of a chant they're getting. But as the afternoon goes on, can you imagine the, the fear that strikes each one of them? They're like, wait a second. Our jobs, maybe our lives depend on it. So it amplifies, it builds up, it, it gets to the point where they're actually cutting themselves and bleeding and just a, a miserable experience. There's, there's Elijah responding. How does Elijah respond? I'm not quite sure what to do with this theologically. 
But he starts talking trash. He's, ta- he's talking trash to these guys. He's, he starts, I mean, they're at a pretty low point. They're, 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 they're like, can't you see we're bleeding here? And, uh, and Elijah, no, he, he's calling them out. He's saying, no, this is serious business. You have directed an entire nation towards a false god, and God does not take that lightly. He does not take that lightly. False prophets, as we see here, is a serious deal. But then he, he, starts, he starts taunting him. Uh, he, he says, or is, he, is he off musing? Is he relieving himself? Who says that? You know, like, like he's totally trash talking. And so, and so he's, he's talking to him. And, and the, the funny thing is, or the ironic thing is, this God of weather who's on his home turf that's supposed to be riding the clouds of thunder and providing rain for his people, what does it say? There's no response. There's no answer. Just silence. The thing, if you think of it, bringing it back to today, what things have we put our hope in, our trust in to provide, to satisfy, to meet our needs, the things that this world says, this is going to make you happy. This is going to make you content. And we still chase after them. We still pray to those gods thinking just maybe it might come through this time. It might satisfy. Even things that have proven in the past to fail us, we keep going back to, right? We keep going back to these things in hopes that, well, maybe it'll show up this time. Maybe if I, I, I try to stuff this into the, that hole of, of my heart, maybe that'll satisfy this time. I was reading about the, the story of the talk about pointless endeavors. I was reading the story of this man that, that was in Washington, Washington D.C., he was in the downtown area, pretty, if you've been there before, pretty, uh, pretty, a lot of hustle and bustle in Washington. And he had this massive fan, like a big fan, like kind of old school that you'd fan with. And he's just standing on the street and he's just fanning really hard, just fanning the wind, fanning the wind. And, and people, as you know, with like different street performers, you kind of walk by and kind of ignore it for a while. But then finally, somebody's just like, and this dude's been out here fanning all day. What's he doing? So he, get, he works up the nerve. He's like, he goes to the guy. He's like, what do you do? What are you trying to, what are you trying to do with this? And, and, the, and the guy says, I'm keeping away the elephants. And, and the, guy, the guy in response says, he's like, cuckoo. He's like, listen, mister, there aren't any elephants here. And the guy, quick as can be, says, see, I'm doing a great job. <laughs> and so some of you are like, I don't get that. Uh, but the idea is this. The idea is doing pointless things and expecting different results. Chasing after things and, and, and thinking that if I fan this, if I do that, that's going to result differently the next time. How true that is of the human condition. We think by fanning things that we're going to chase after these pointless routines and we get stuck with still the same thing. No result. Same thing that the, that the Baal worshipers did. Pointless attempts to call on a non-existent God. How often is that our world? Pointless attempts at calling on a non-existent God. Let's see what happens as Elijah has his turn. 
Verse 30 through 35 summarizes the, the process of, of Elijah building the, the altar. And uh, the, the cool thing is he, he, he ups the ante a little bit. He's like, why don't you go in the, the Dead Sea down there, gather some water up, and dump it on top of, the, on top of the, the altar just to amplify things a little bit. You guys can read that in your, in your own quiet time this week. But verse 36, we actually see when it comes to the, the chance where God shows up. Verse 36 says this. And at the time of the offering of oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. What happens next? Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust. It licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal, let no, not one of them escape. And they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook of Kishon and slaughtered them there. Wow, pretty intense text. So finally, we see no, no cutting or crazy chanting. Elijah comes, and what does he say? He discloses his agenda. He says that this people, this is why I'm asking you, God, to do this. That this people may know that you, O Lord, are God. That was the goal of this. That was his goal. Is I want you to expose yourself to this people group. Not a crazy cult dance. It was just a heartfelt prayer with a healthy motive. Can you picture this? An entire nation gather and God shows up. Every once in a while, we get little glimpses of God's greatness and his power. It was, uh, it was fun yesterday talking to uh, someone just even yesterday about how they've seen just little glimpses of God's greatness and creation. I had an experience. I, got, I, I have to share this in context of this story because I don't think it's a common experience. I was working at a camp as a camp counselor. You getting back from Hume would appreciate this. It was in northern Michigan. It was on a, sun, it was on a Sunday night. The campers come on Monday morning, so it's kind of your like refresh time before the chaos of the next week begins. I'm there, and just before going to bed, it's raining outside. I was the only one in this cabin. Uh, I, I just spent a little bit of time in the Word and was just falling asleep, thanking God for just the blessings. I remember this night very clearly. As I'm closing my eyes, I, I'm hearing the sound of, of, of rain outside. I, I close my eyes. I'm just starting to drift off. All of a sudden... There's this loud crashing noise, this bright light, and then complete blackness. So I come out of this blackness. I'm like, what just happened? I open my eyes, and all around me is fire. This is a true story. The first thing that happens is I think to myself, I've died, and what am I doing here? And uh, so, so, so I, I go... I, I, I go running in my underwear out of this cabin. I come to, come to realize that, that, that what had happened was, was lightning 
had hit the cabin that I'm in. I'm laying in a metal bed. It hit, if my arm was extended, it would have taken off my arm. It hit right next to my bed. The, from, from the, so the lightning, because I guess there's these underground cables that it hit. So it hit, it struck, ripped a hole straight through the cabin, straight through to the ground. And, uh, and, and actually they said to the, the doctors, so I'm like hyperventilating, like I'm going crazy. And, uh, and, and so, and so the doctor said like, so that, that so much, uh, electricity just from the like kind of flow of that had passed through my body so for the next like week and a half my body felt like I had been like in the worst car accident ever so this lightning had hit from like is that crazy like who that doesn't happen very often right and, and so and so I got a, a pretty clear glimpse of what almighty God when he chooses to rain down his power you're like whoa fun story coming out of that sorry I get excited about this fun story coming out of this my Bible so that they had to rebuild that whole cabin it was just thrashed it like blew like they had a transformer on the side of it blew a three foot by three foot hole out of the wall but it burned up like it was it was crazy so the one thing as we went back and got things in the in the the ruins uh, I found my Bible which was next it was a different Bible um I found it next to my next to my bed, and it had a burn mark all on the whole top of it, burned through all the beginning pages, and then you flipped through, and the burn stopped. Genesis one one. It was so cool. It was like so. Uh, then then I got to the fun thing of that. I got to use that story as a as I was sharing Christ with a, a good friend of mine in college. He accepted Christ. I gave him the Bible, and so he's still awesome friend uh, in uh, the Lord. So that was kind of a cool way that God uh, used that. But just awesome to see when God shows up in His power and. This, I can't even imagine. That wasn't a lightning bolt. When it says that it, it lapped up all the water, that it, it disintegrated any rock that was there, can you imagine seeing this? It must have been just like a, just, I mean, just a, I don't even know, but just straight God's power, his fingertip coming down from heaven. And what do the people do with that? They're just like, you win. I submit, like, 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 like the, the, the whole battle between Baal, God, done. It's finished. What is it? When you're exposed to God's power, what does that leave you? It leaves you on your face. It leaves you on your face. And my prayer and hope for people as they have encounters with God in a variety of different ways is that it brings them to their face. And look what it says in the, in the text that, that it happens to them as they're exposed to it. In verse, in those remaining verses, it, it says this. It says, the Lord, I'm sorry, it licked up the water that, that was in the trenches. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. This was a crossroad for them. When they were exposed to the greatness of God, they're saying, all right, I submit. I bend my knee. And my question here this morning is a couple things in response to this text. A couple different takeaways from this that I believe present day is this. The first one is that we have a big picture choice that a lot of us have made. The first question in response is choose this day who you will serve. Choose this day who you will serve. That's what he's basically called the people of Israel saying, hey, you've got to decide who are you going to follow? And I got to believe in a room this size that there's some people that are still kind of wavering on that fence. And my hope is, as the Holy Spirit's stirring in your life, that this would be the day 
that you bend your knee, that you stop resisting this almighty God, the God that speaks fire from heaven, that you bend a knee and embrace Jesus' death for the forgiveness of your sin. That's the first thing. But then the thing as I was thinking about that question, choose this day who you will serve, I think it's not just a one-time question. I think it's a daily question. Choose each day who you will serve. Choose each day. Every single day is a brand new choice where you're deciding, who am I following today? Who am I following? Am I following the self-God? Am I following me and my desires and my wants? Or am I choosing again daily today to bend my knee to the almighty God, the God that brings fire from heaven? You see, we have this, this same degree of a divided allegiance that was pointed out there in the text. And we see that the truth is, is that divided allegiance is just as wrong as open idolatry. Divided allegiance, I'll say that again. Divided allegiance, having a gap between following this and following that. God sees that the same as open idolatry. It's an all or nothing deal. In Revelations 3, 15 through 16, we see this as, as God confronts the church of Laodicea. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because, listen to these words. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. That's God's heart for those of us with a divided allegiance. There's no room for it. There's no room for kind of serving God and kind of serving world gods. There's not room for it. So the first area of response, choose this day who you will serve. Choose each day. The second one, and it relates closely to this, is the idols in our life must come down. The idols in our life must come down. We can't have two different things that we're worshiping. Our, wor our object of our, our worship has to be directed towards one thing. And the truth is the things that we've elevated, that we've built up as things that we're like, man, this is, uh, maybe God has room for this and this. He doesn't. You see in the text, he doesn't. The last thing I think in response to this text, the time to serve God is now. Many of us can confess that we've been like, man, I've been following the Lord for a really long time. I've been serving him. I've been, I've been, I've been doing life with him. But if we're honest with ourselves, we're, we're in that waiting season that Elijah's been in for three and a half years. But that three and a half years has turned into 10 years. That 10 years has turned into 20 years. And we're still waiting to do something, having some kind of impact on the kingdom. We're still waiting. We're in that season. And there's this daily invitation to say, the time to serve him is now. That invitation to go to the Ahab in your life, that invitation to go to the, the neighbor in your life that has no idea about the God that you serve, that invitation is daily. So I think one of the things my takeaway from this is that invitation that at the beginning of the text where he says, Elijah, it's time, go now. 
And I think our takeaway as a church community for some of us that have been, man, I've been in more Bible studies. I've built up my knowledge and my repertoire. But when do we actually roll up our sleeves and start to address the Ahabs in the world around us? When do we call God into power? When do we, when do we put tests to, to people that we interact with saying like, hey, why don't, you, why don't you dig in this next week and see if your God is real or my God is real? What if we had that conversation at the break room? You know what I mean? Like, what could God do with that? It starts with a, just a fearless abandon and saying, man, if I'm going to follow Christ, this has to be an all or nothing deal. So three responses. Choose this day who you will serve. The idols in our life must come down. Confess them. Go before the Lord. He'll help you tear them out. He'll, he'll help bring them to mind. He'll help bring them into your sight. And the last one, the time to serve God is now time to serve God is now. Maybe some of you, maybe one other response, I just felt like this kept coming up in my mind this last week as, as we have baptism fast approaching uh, next week. And this is an opportunity for some of you that maybe have never made that choice to publicly, I like the def definition of an outward expression of an inward decision, an outward expression of an inward decision. You've made that inward decision, but you've never proclaimed it. You've never put the stake in the ground and said, I'm following him with everything. Maybe your next step in response this morning to this text is, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go there on Zuma Beach and I'm going to pro proclaim Jesus Christ to everybody that's in sight. Man, we have a, a church community that would love to support you in that. And so there's my little encouragement. I think that would be a fun party just celebrating people taking a stand for Jesus Christ. Just as we conclude here this morning, I just uh, as, I, as I'm working through this text, and I, I, I want to be cautious of uh, like I'm preaching and yelling at you because all this stuff, as, as, as you go through it yourself, you're just like, man, I wrestle with the same stuff. That kind of dual existence where you're kind of doing the world thing, you're kind of doing the God thing. Man, I would love us as a community to hold each other accountable on that. I'd love our conversations to be more seasoned with talking about, hey, what's God doing in your life? What, what kind of steps of faith are you do, taking? What, what kind of risks have you taken in the last seven days to pursue fully following Christ? I think it would be fantastic if we hold each other accountable on this. Sound good? Let me pray for us as we conclude. God, I thank you for this, this story of your greatness of your power coming down in such a visible way that it forced, pushed people to make a choice. I pray that you continue to do that in our lives, in lives around us. It might not be a fire from heaven, but I'll tell you what, God, you still meet people in a real and dynamic way, even here today. I pray if there's someone in this room that's never made that decision, that they wouldn't leave here without getting that settled. Making the choice to embrace you God, we know it's a decision that you'd never, ever regret eternally. God, we thank you for the, this text and the, the reminder of, of maybe the things that we're, we're worshiping, the things that we keep going back to that we even know that they don't satisfy. God, I pray that you'd rid our lives of those things, the things that we count on, the things that have maybe become the norm in our lives. God, I pray that you'd rid our lives of that. We acknowledge we can't do this on our own. That's why we're coming to you together collectively asking for your help. God, we thank you for your grace and your patience, even evident in this story, God, the way that you didn't choose to wipe out this group of people that had abandoned you, that you give an opportunity to come back. 
I pray, God, that we wouldn't take that lightly, those opportunities that you keep giving to come back, to come back. God, we're so faithful. You're so faithful. We love you and praise you. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Praise God. Well, I hope that passage was an encouragement to you just as you see the, the greatness of the God that we're serving, the greatness of the God that we're following. If there is some way that we can serve you just by praying for you at the end of the service, we have elders that are available. Otherwise, I pray you have a fantastic week in the Lord. God bless you.